you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family... Look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Move the Sticks. DJ Bucky and our good friend, Rhett Lewis, back with us. Nice. Rhett, how you doing, bud? Oh, man, it's good. It's good to be back with you guys. I feel like uh, draft season isn't official until I can find my way onto the pod. So uh, glad to kick <laughs> things off here with you. What? Whoa, 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 wait, because there's been some news that has happened since you've been oh. back on the pod. We got to talk about this basketball thing in Indiana basketball. I know you guys are Hoosiers. You're, Ooh, trying, to run, big. you're trying to run it back, I guess, circa day 1976. Mike Wilson coming back. How do you feel about like kind of copying your rivals, Michigan, and going into the pro ranks to get it, your next basketball coach? What's that like? Well, here's what I'll say, DJ. Um, yeah. We need all the help we can get based on what's happened here for the last four or five years. When you don't make the tournament in Indiana in four straight years, it's an issue. But I think Scott Dolson, the AD, put together a terrific model, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, it is similar to what Michigan did, but bringing Mike Woodson, relating the fan base back to the glory days with Mike, and then bringing in a... I mean, like a high pedigree college basketball voice in Thad Mata as the associate athletic director for for basketball only. I, I mean, it's a win-win to me. 
I mean, like we get we get uh, solid pedigree there, the college basketball world, and then you bring Indiana basketball back to the to the tradition with Woody. I mean, it's it's a win. It's been a long time. Like like at least during the Crean years, I would be I would watch and I'd be texting Rhett during games, like <laughs> yeah. engaged. Haven't I haven't watched Indiana basketball game in three years. Yeah. Like I haven't texted Rhett anything because so, I'm like they're terrible. So this is. Yeah. Does that mean I'm gonna see the candy cane warm ups? Am I gonna see that all over again, or are we gonna move? Oh, to like, never go away. Are we, are, we, are, we, no. are we gonna move to no, the? No, he needs for me. Yeah, like, it's like are we? Oh, it's okay. I, I just wonder. Like, how are you doing, Buck? I mean, I don't know. I mean, I with feel Roy like gone, what's <laughs> I okay? I don't know. I, this this who's is getting weird. that job? You know, your guess is as good as mine because on the bench is just Hubert Davis, who was a classmate. Uh, Steve Robson, those guys have been around forever. There is a guy who played in the program, Wes Miller, who I think is at UNCG, who is a good coach. He has that program up and on the rise. But I don't know. This is a horrible one. Last time we stayed in the family, we did the Matt Doherty thing, and that didn't Not go so, so well. Yeah. So yeah. it's a hard hustle. I don't know, man. And Carolina fans are a little snooty when it comes to, like, mm-hmm. who, who we want you on think? the sideline. So this is this is a hard one. I don't know. By the way, everybody, everybody tuning in today. I mean, we're in the heart of just loving this, and, and they're just loving us talking hey, about UNC hoops. It is what it Blue is, bloods, baby. Blue bloods. I know. We need, golly. You know. You. By the way, we're going to get to uh, to our football stuff here in a minute, which we've got some interesting quarterback conversation uh, about what should take place in the draft. We're going to look back on some of these pro days. Um, a couple other things we want to definitely hit. Um, maybe some guys that have moved up or down. I want to talk about multiple sport thing as well. Uh, but I do want to add just one thing. If anybody ever wants to question my uh, San Diego Padre fandom, oh boy, okay, oh, okay, just realize that according to Twitter, it was the greatest college basketball game of all time uh, the other night with with Gonzaga and UCLA. Oh, and you're I was watching. I was watching Game Three <laughs> between the Diamondbacks and the Padres, so I, mean, I did not see one bounce of a ball in that game. So don't ever question my fandom. And it was such a good game. Like it was Take such a good game. Like I know March Madness and, and those things, but UCLA Gonzaga was such a good game. Mickey Cronin has done a great job with the Bruins. They play yes. hard. Um, you know, it's it's hard for me because I'm watching it and my son went to school with Jules Bernard at Wimward. And Johnny Juzang is a local hero. He played at Harvard Westlake. And so to watch these guys that you kind of have followed since they were kids play at a high level was terrific. And then Gonzaga and the shot. I mean, bananas. Yeah, we're going to get to a little bit of that connection with the football world here in just a little bit. And not just because everybody knows Suggs played football, but we've got a little uh, another conversation we want to get to. But hey, before we get there, uh, a couple quarterback things I wanted to start with. Um, And let's start. Let's work our way down the board a little bit. And uh, Buck, I'll get your thought on this one first. Uh, Sam Darnold, right? Sam Mm -hmm. Darnold looked like San Francisco could be an option there. San Francisco makes the move up the board. So they're out. So you've got really, to me, the two main suitors seem to be Carolina and Denver. Those are the two. And so when you look at the compensation of what you could get, what you would take, um, I think it's kind of fascinating because those two teams are kind of, uh, I would say, almost kind of in a, in a weird spot because with the Niners trading up, you figure they were going to take a quarterback. But the fact that the talk is they're going to take Mac Jones, I think now if you're Carolina and Denver, you sit there and look at it and say, Maybe there's a chance, you know, Fields or Lance could get down to us. So do we make a Sam Darnold move now? Do we try and hold off and see how the draft plays out? But it got to me the interesting conversation of what would you take if you were the Jets? Because I saw some people mention 
um, you know, maybe you get a third round pick or this, that, and the other. Mm-hmm. I'm sitting here thinking, well, if Sam Darnold, if Sam Darnold even signs for backup money, quarterback money is so high. Even if he signs for backup money after he were to walk, your comp pick's going to be a three on mm-hmm. that. So to me, if you're if you're going to get a two, you do the trade. If you're not getting a two, you're better off holding on to him. In, in my opinion, Buck, what do you think? I, I agree with you, DJ. Um, I think at some point what you have to do is you have to look at the situation. And if you don't get what you want in return in terms of draft compensation, I think what you do is you almost recreate a Drew Brees, Phillip Rivers situation. Um, mm-hmm. Because I think if you look at Sam Donald, uh, who knows what competition will do for him in terms of up in his game. We can talk about the new system and all those other things, but we know back at SC he had to compete and earned the job at SC, and he ended up playing at a high level. So now you drop in a young quarterback. Let's just say Zach Wilson shows up. Who's to say that Sam Donner is going to concede the starting quarterback position for him? If you're the Jets and you get a better version of Sam Donald, it then works in your favor. You talk about the comp pick and all those other things, but you get better performance for the quarterback position. That's what you want. And then you make a decision at that point. I think we talked about – could they get back a, a number one pick or a number two pick? And it doesn't seem like that is the play. I think right now you keep them, you draft the other quarterback, and you continue to proceed because it certainly isn't cost prohibitive at this point. What do you think, Rip? Yeah, you know, so you're saying if you don't get the two or something mm-hmm. better than a three, hang on to him for this entire season, essentially. Like going for and until mm-hmm. his contract would expire, and then you could let him go out on the market, get a no, deal, and then trade get him. The you, could tag, you could tag him and trade him if you tag had and to trade. at that point yeah. in time. Like to me, there's higher. There's you. You take on some more risk, right? So, you yeah. know, what's the wor- the absolute worst case scenario is he he. You know, you turn down. Say you turn down a three, which I I would not accept the three. If you turn down a three, and then Sam comes back and plays terrible, and then just tanks his value. And then he signs somewhere, mm-hmm. even if he signs somewhere for lower tier backup money, you're going to get some type of a comp pick. But some the upside, type, yeah, the upside is if he comes back with a better supporting cast, with a better system, better play mm-hmm. caller, and plays well, now you're in a situation where, well, heck, we're going to get a lot more than a two. We're going to be able to trade him, tag him and trade him for a one and something else. He's going to be a 20 – at that time, he'll be a 24-year-old quarterback <laughs> – so right. you could even, even if you wanted to move forward with him, you could do and slow play the thing with Zach. So I mean, to me, it just doesn't make any sense. If they were, I would never trade him for a third round pick. No chance. It's not. not he's not more a, of an asset least. to keep him at that point in time. Yeah, uh, you know, I think it's interesting because if the 49ers were so interested, it does make you wonder a little bit, like how much Mike Lafleur is interested. Um, you know, like knowing that, uh, that, that Shanahan, you know, oh, like I, I eyes think that the coaching type of staff, quarterback. I think the coaching yeah. staff would love to keep Sam Darnold. I, I think when yeah. you're coaching staff, you're saying, I got, that gives me two options here. We've got him. We, we know what Sam can do and we think he really fits what we do. Um, you might think Zach Wilson has a higher ceiling and you're really excited about him, but shoot, there's a lot worse things than to go in there with both quarterbacks. And I, yeah. he doesn't strike me as the guy, Bucky, the type of guy that like, you know, will sour and poison a locker room if he's uh, not he's starting. Dude. You know what I mean? He's a good he's a good kid. And we learned that, you know, in, well, in, the, in this process coming out. And I think I think it's actually good for him. I mean, because if you you really look at it, because like the leverage could flip back in Sam Donald's favor if this plays out, if he stays in New York and he plays really well, because right now, statistically, it is hard to say a hey, less put the leverage in 
the team's favorite in terms of like the deal, like, oh, we're holding firm on a, a one or a two because the numbers and the performance hasn't been where you say, oh, yeah, absolutely, we give up the first. But if he balls out, now it puts him in a tricky situation because not only does he get the franchise tag, but now in a trade scenario, maybe he gets to dictate where he wants to go as opposed yeah. to, oh, I just show up somewhere or whatever. And so to me, I think it could be a win-win scenario for both the Jets and for Donald if he comes back and he plays well and they get it. And I mean, who knows? Like just because you draft a quarterback, I know we draft him how you got to play him. You got to play that quarterback at some point. But I think you have to be sensible and say this system is supposed to be a system that can elevate his game. Let's see what it looks like. Right. right. You, at the end of the day, you can't. If he's a, he's a good kid, right? He's a great worker. Mm-hmm. He's really loved by his teammates. He's 23 years old. You can't give him away. Like you, just, you can't. You haven't. You're sitting on an asset now. The other thing you have to consider, which we haven't talked about, was um, remember the Sam the Sam Bradford trade. You get into training camp. You have yep. an injury, and all of a sudden now you know your suitors change of who's you know who's interested. Yeah. So you got and that so option does the as price well. tag. Absolutely. You know, and, and, and the other thing, real quick, Buck, is if you're if you're uh, Denver and Carolina, right? Carolina eight, Denver nine, and you're kind of in that limbo land. Like, are we going to get a shot at one of these top quarterbacks? I've got a mock draft coming out tomorrow, and I, I won't spoil it. But I mean, I think we could have five. <laughs> five, five can go it's in happening. the first. Five can go in the first seven picks, and and when you think yeah. about pick seven with Detroit, which I want to get to that next. Um, that's a, a it's a trade spot where teams could trade up ahead of eight and nine for a quarterback. But I mean, I'll, I'll just get to you on this buck. I, I, the more I looked at it, the more I think about it, I'm like, is Jared Goff going to keep me from drafting Justin Fields if he's there and I'm the Detroit lions? I, 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 I don't think so. I think I take Justin Fields if he was there. I would. Yeah. I, I, I think, you know, I think Justin Fields has more upside as a player. But if I'm the Detroit Lions, when I look at my roster, are we at a point where we can benefit from the rookie and the rookie contract right now with this team? Because you want to have the benefit of being able to build up the team while the quarterback position is really cheap. And are they two years away, three years away or whatever? And so do we take the hit with Jerry Goff basically taking all the L's while we're building up the auxiliary parts of the team? And then in, year two or year three of the rebuild drop the young quarterback in so we can benefit from that five-year run at that point. I think a lot of it depends on internally. How do they view Jerry Goff and how do they expect him to play in this system under Anthony Lynn? Well, yeah. if, if you I, think about it, I, Rhett, though, this is a, yeah. this is a you know, Brad Holmes coming from the Rams. Obviously, he was on the other end of it, right? They, they were there. They drafted Jared Goff. He traded for Jared Goff, but it wasn't a Jared Goff for Matthew Stafford straight up now. Yeah, so that's what I was saying. There's so much extra value involved here with Detroit, right? With the additional first round picks that they got from Jared Goff. I kind of feel like you can afford to make this make this pick as a quarterback at number seven. And here's the thing: like Brad Holmes knows everything there is to know about Jared Goff. They they know where he can win. They know how they can win with him. They know you know where his you know his shortcomings are. And then you look at Anthony Lynn and and DJ. We've talked about this you know, quite a bit from your time, you know, covering him with the 49 with the chargers rather on, on the chargers radio broadcast. Like he wants a quarterback. That's not going to turn the ball over a bunch, right? He wants a quarterback. Um, you know, we talked about why Tyrod Taylor was starting in place of, of Justin Herbert. Like I, I don't know. I think Justin Fields kind of fits that bill for Anthony Lynn guy with some, mo- some real mobility mm-hmm. covers um, up the sins of, of your sense. offensive line. Yeah. We saw that with Herbert last year. Herbert was the most pressured quarterback in the league and was a rookie of the year. 
I mean, um, we can we can go even back. Like, let's not even use Justin Herbert because I would say Justin Herbert is the high end of it. But let's go to Buffalo and look at what he did with Tyrod Taylor when he had yeah. the opportunity to call plays at the end of his run during the Buffalo Bills. He was able to win successfully with Tyrod Taylor operating as a quarterback. So he certainly can do it with an athletic quarterback. He also has shown that this system and he can have success with maybe not an A level quarterback, which is what I would say to Jerry Goff is. I think right. internally. It depends on how Dan Campbell and Brad Holmes view Jerry Goff and also Mark Brunell and all these guys that are kind of vested in the reclamation project that is Jerry Goff and this Detroit Lions team. What do they believe is going to be the best option for this team to get up and running? And again, they're sitting there on six-year deals, not to say that that is, you know, Campbell I mean, and Holmes. Like, that helps. I, mean, that's, I mean, that's a long time. So you can, right. you, you can take a couple swings and misses as it relates. And I think for Brad Holmes, a lot of this depends on his college scouting expertise in terms of knowing, okay, what quarterbacks are in the 2022 class? What quarterbacks potentially could be in the 2023 class? Because right. what, what I think you need to do is weigh not only Jerry Goff versus those classes, okay, but how does Justin Fields look versus the guys that are coming next year and the year after? Because if he is head and shoulders above what could be available in the next two years, and we can't completely forecast because someone always comes out of the back of the pack to emerge, but you sure. do try to use your expertise to say, Hey, you know what? Next year is Sam Howell and these other yeah. guys. Like maybe we do need to make the move on the quarterback now because we may not get the, an a level guy in the next draft. And, and I think D, DJ, it's also like, who would they, you know, who are they thinking about outside of Justin Fields? Like, is it, is it Justin Fields versus Jamar Chase? Is he still there? Is it Justin Fields, like, by the grace of God versus Kyle Pitts? Like, is he still there? You know, like, how much does that change the thinking for the quarterback if you have one of those, you know, rare elite playmakers still sitting there at seven as well? My thing is, if you think Justin Fields is a special, special talent, Jared Goff's presence is not going to stop me from taking Justin Fields. And That's I, the I, you got to remember, story. You gotta yeah. remember mm-hmm. who else is, you know, who's in Detroit, right? John Dorsey. John Dorsey was in Green and Bay Chris when Gilman. they drafted Aaron Rodgers when, when Brett was there. He was in Kansas City when they drafted Mahomes, even though they were winning a lot of games with Alex Smith. He has realized the if you can get an elite player, you it's all about margins, right? You're trying to increase margins. Well, if you get if you get this much better, you know, at the quarterback position, it's going to make a big impact. You can get this much better at tight end or wide receiver, it's not going to have as much of an impact. I mean, if you could just just get better, just that margin at the quarterback position mm-hmm. and while while we think Jared Goff can is a winning player and can be a winning player, mm-hmm. there's a the the ceiling between Jared Goff and Justin Fields. There's a reason why the Rams wanted more and made that trade. That's that's just yeah. what I'm getting at. No, I, I absolutely believe it. DJ, you know, I think it's funny because we're having to completely change the way that we view the quarterback position, right? I would say that for so long, the quarterback was the endangered species, meaning mm-hmm. we never, once we got the quarterback and got him signed, we never thought about upgrading the position until like 10 years in, like, okay, well, maybe we need to move. Now what we're seeing, and maybe it's a product of a younger set of general managers coming in, these guys are just commodities, just like position players. And even though sometimes the money looks funny because you're not used to having dead cap expenditures of 30 million plus, teams are like, yeah, I, I want better. And so it's, it's almost like going back to when we got in the scouting business, we talked about that high standard 
that the standard at the position is, hey, man, I want a Marino. I want an Elway. I want a Jim Kelly. I want someone that I can envision not only hoisting the Super Bowl trophy, but a gold jacket type guy. And if I don't have that guy, I am always hunting for that player. That is different than the way that we've seen it maybe the last 10 years when teams were re-signing guys who we knew were just guys. Let me ask you one other potential scenario, DJ. Um, Let's say that four quarterbacks are gone by the time Mm -hmm. the Lions are on the clock at seven. What would you consider from the Denver Broncos if they're trying to jump the Carolina Panthers to get into number seven to take that last quarterback? I mean, they're in the the catbird seat because they're going to get the absolute dream scenario, which is two desperate teams for a quarterback (laughs) that pick right behind you. So not only am I going to have a bidding war between two teams, I'm still going to more than likely get the player I would have picked if I wasn't going to take a quarterback at seven. I'm going to get the same guy at eight or nine. There's exactly what I'm getting to is that Detroit is picking at seven. It Mm -hmm. makes no sense. If, if they take a quarterback, I get it. If they're not going to take a quarterback, it makes zero sense for them to stick because I would think at worst, you could just call Carolina and say, Hey, give me a three. And you can come up one spot, take your quarterback, and we're, you know we're good. Yeah. yeah, just flipping, just flipping spots. Yeah, because that'll be fun. The the team in this that I think has probably more of the desperation. I think the Carolina Panthers are more desperate than the Denver Broncos. I think yeah. the Denver Broncos, even though George Patton comes over, he's the new general manager. I think he could be like, you know, like okay, like we want to upgrade, but how much do we want to mortgage the future to upgrade? I think the Carolina Panthers are basically they kind of box themselves. They've into been a in corner. on everybody. They've yeah, been they in on got, everybody. They boxed themselves into a corner where they're going to get a quarterback some way, shape, or form. And so I think they're the team with the owner saying, hey, man, I, I don't care. Give up whatever we have to give up so we can get the guy that we want. And if one of those guys, Trey Lance or Justin Fields, is sitting right there within range, I, I expect him. Yeah, I, I expect them to make the move. The question then is, does Detroit want to play or does Detroit want to stick and pick the quarterback? That that to me is what gets fascinating. Because right. the other thing I'm thinking of, you know what I'm saying? Hey, this is how this is how the phone call could go. Um, hey, uh, hey, Brad. Yeah, hey, it's it's Matt Rule, Scott Fitterer here. We we want to just we all want to just move up one spot. You know, you're not taking a quarterback. We'll we'll flip you a three rather than say, no, nah, I'm not doing it. Oh, we'll flip you a two, not doing it. I'm gonna stick and pick. Oh, okay. Well, who are you taking? Well, I'll tell you what I'm, t- I'm taking Justin Fields. By the way, what will you give me for Jared Goff? You don't have a quarterback. <laughs> I mean, that's literally <laughs> like not only am I not trading with you, you're going to have to trade me something to get Jared Goff now because I just took your quarterback. I mean, that's a good one. Yeah. I mean, you would yeah. take Jared Goff over what they have in Carolina. I would take Jared Goff over Teddy Bridgewater. He's an upgrade. Man, so Man. poor Jared Goff, like he's already yeah. shopping for houses, and you're already trying to have him move no, from Detroit I'm just saying, to like, Charlotte. Is that not the? Is that crazy? Poor, That's not crazy. It's not crazy, but poor him, man. He's like maybe he's maybe she's in an mean, apartment. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Saying, you're still in the rental market right now. I think I don't rule anything. <laughs> settle out, down man. a bit. Yeah, I don't rule anything out. I think that that trade that Jared Goff was a good, you know, they were, they're happy about Jared Goff, but that trade was about getting ones, you know, that was well, about and, trading and, Matt Stafford and getting ones. Yeah. And who's to say that the Miami dolphins aren't interested in popping back a slot or two as well. They're sitting at number six, you know, like yeah. they, they've been moving uh, all around. Like I know, but they, they, they I, seem hell bent on getting one of those they, two guys. They, they, they have their eyes on somebody and I don't know who that somebody is. I don't right. know if it's the wide well, receiver of his but it seems like they have their eyes on someone if we I can't have, see them moving again, yeah. If we have quarterbacks go one, two, three, four, Bengals stick and pick at five. Somebody wants to get your quarterback at six. Like, ooh, I, 
you yeah, know, that's desperate. Yeah, that's that's a lot right there. We'll see. It's just a thought. All Man, right. if, if I, five I, quarterbacks, DJ, if five quarterbacks go within the top seven, like I like the quarterback <laughs> class. I do like the quarterback class. But if, spoiler if alert: five, if five quarterbacks happen to go within the first seven picks, I think my brain will explode in terms of just all of it. Hey. Have you guys uh, a quick uh, sidebar here? Yeah. Have we loosened on the uh, on the Bengals taking an offensive lineman stranglehold here at number five? Has that has that started to loosen up here a little bit? Uh, I don't have them taking an offensive lineman in my mock draft that comes out tomorrow. So put it that way. I you know I've been told by people that you have to that you know you have a gun to your head right. you have to take You've an offensive told. lineman. Yeah, and I've also had it confirmed. I wasn't sure, but I did have it confirmed. The draft. Uh, yes, let me let me look. It does go beyond the first round this year. They're actually going to have whoa, seven whoa, rounds. Whoa, 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 yeah, whoa, so whoa. you can actually pick offensive linemen in other places in the draft. It's allowed. So wait, wait a minute. So you you think the Bengals potentially could take a playmaker instead of a protector? Um, yeah. It's you know philosophy that, that, thing. Like, what does Duke Tobin think? I mean, you know, like just, how does I mean, Brown you as an think? organization, yeah. they they need interior offensive linemen. They do. I mean, that you took Jonah Williams with what the twelfth pick to play left tackle, yeah. and he he played okay. He wasn't bad. I mean, you you believed in him. If you don't if you don't trust your evaluation, you just took a left tackle with the twelfth pick. I can get yeah. I can get interior linemen in the second third round. They're going to upgrade what they've been playing with. They got. I mean, Riley Reef's a placeholder as a right tackle, but at least he gets me through a year. Um, but they need okay. they need interior guys. My okay, opinion. So, I'm gonna I'm gonna so, draft Penny Sewell so, and ask him to play right on the right side. And I mean I don't I don't, I don't, I don't so, see that. So they're gonna draft another weapon to go with Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins, and so we're saying a, a wide receiver or maybe a pass catcher down the middle. That's of the Kyle field. Pitts so, to me. So man. Cal so yeah. Cal Pitts goes to Cincinnati as opposed to Jamar yeah. Chase. Like that's what yeah. we're, we're thinking. It's, it's it's one of those things. Someone to control. I feel like I'm giving away field. my whole mock draft here. I mean, I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't know what your mock draft is, but you just have blown my mind. I'm like, what? The Bengals gonna pick yeah. a playmaker? Yeah, I'll do it. Wow, I just have visions of John Ross, who I liked all over again. They picked John Ross in the top ten. I mean, hold all on, over Buck. again. Hold on, Buck. I, I don't have a, uh, I don't have an alarm bell to ring, but to have John Ross's name mentioned within about two seconds of Kyle Pitts's name, uh, the alarm bells in my head have just exploded. Well, they, they have to play. He was a top ten pick. I mean, I'm just saying they took, play, he wasn't a top ten player. This I, is the best. But, but how many it, tight ends have you? How many Buck? You've been doing this. We've been doing this together. You I started have, maybe a little bit before me. I have twenty but, years. How many tight it. ends have you seen better than this kid? But okay, but here, here's what I would say about that. Right when I look at the Pro Bowl caliber tight, the Pro Bowl tight ends: George Kittle, yep. Travis Kelsey, Darren Waller, all drafted fifth round or lower. I haven't seen a first round tight end come and dominate like we've expected. Particularly TJ Hawkinson, good player, not a great player. Um, Eric Ebron did not live up to the hype as a top 10 player. I mean, I nope. love OJ Howard. He hasn't been like we haven't seen one of those guys that we've expressed or said, hey, this is a generational talent at the tight end position that's going to dominate, dominate when they walked in. And I like yes, Alphys. I like I like what he does, but he's I don't, look, all those dudes. But no, it's not only him. It's the guy who's designing plays for him because that's who you also have to scout. How many guys know how to unlock the tight end? I don't believe every offensive coordinator in the league knows how to unlock or utilize a guy that is like Cal Pitts. And so I don't know. So I'm, I'm a little lower on Cal Pitts in terms of what he would do coming into the league than others, because I just don't know if someone knows how to play with him correctly as a video game. 
Here's here's That's the good. The here's, yeah. the, here's the good news though, Rhett. The good news is yeah. if you have a coach who's not smart enough to know how to feature him as a tight end, just play him a receiver. <laughs> He'd be better than anybody. That's He'd what better, I was gonna say. Like, than T. Higgins. I'd take him at number five, even if he never puts his hand in the dirt. Oh my gosh. So Fuck, he, like, he, I mean, as an he extra receiver. The best corners, he played the best corners in the best conference and he cooked them all. He cooked all of them. <laughs> he, <laughs> he, he, he did. I'm I'm all right. <laughs> No, 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 no. But it's a it's a good yeah. discussion because I am the uh, lone wolf when it comes to descending. I think he's super talented. I like what he does, getting in space and all that. He's a jumbo wide receiver. We have seen that position have success, but we've also seen people find those difference makers in later rounds. And so if we talk about I, I marquee positions in team building. DJ, that's never been the position that we talked about. Hey, the pillar of our team is tight end. Like we've never what, said what, that. what I'm not going to mention any names because this got sideways, but um what if what if a certain particular someone wasn't popping wheelies on his motorcycle in a mini mall uh parking lot? Do you think we'd be having this conversation? I, I don't know. Who's who's popping wheelies in a, in a mini mall? Remember K2? You remember how good K two was coming oh, out of Miami? Oh, okay. he decided he wanted to be evil Knievel okay. on a motorcycle. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Some I mean, he was he was he was, he was the best. I didn't have to grade him. I didn't have to grade him. And obviously, no, no, no. Like, like all stuff, but coming out, stuff. yeah, coming like out, he was he, was, he yeah. was the he was unbelievable. He was, and Jeremy Shockey was uh, their value. But man, like think back, you know, a year like that's early 2000s like that's a long time ago <laughs> I know, that's but yeah. that's why with like this guy i'm like he's he's just different man like he sometimes it's like hey i don't want to take a guard with the second pick but darn it if uh, i hadn't seen anybody like quentin nelson before <laughs> it was the best run blocking offensive lineman i've ever evaluated and i can no, that's I true. get positional value but every now and then you get a unicorn that pops up you, you gotta recognize it for yeah. what it is um all right you you mentioned uh panay sewell there buck uh, mm-hmm. Let's get to that one there. Um, I have him. I know you have him as a top tackle. I have him as the number two tackle. 330 pounds, a big man. Mm-hmm. You know, length, you know, he's fine. It's it's a little bit on the lower end, but it's it's kind of in line with with a lot of these uh, offensive linemen this year, which is an interesting point. We used to have everybody get their arms measured at the combine. So it was all by, measured by the same guy, the same standard. And talking to some teams around the league, they're like, they're not, they're not putting quite as much st- uh, stock into the arm length this year because – the it's Midwest scout that's doing it at one school versus the West Coast scout that's doing it at the other is not a uniform standard here. No, yeah. it's not because you can't find that little notch yeah. in the shoulder, right? Yeah. It changes, and right. those little inches matter when it comes to arm length. So I understand that because without a combine, all of these things are different. Like how much current value can you put into any of these numbers when it comes to 40 times and all that other stuff because surfaces are different, hand times are different than official laser times and, and all of this stuff. But in terms of Panay Sewell, you know, it's, it's funny because he didn't play this year. And so a, there's a little out of sight, out of mind nature to him in the evaluation. But he is super light on his feet. He is a dancing bear. He really does a great job in the run game. He can climb and get those things. We talked to Mario Cristobal. He just raves about him. That said, when I talk to some scouts on the West Coast, he's not the number one guy on the West Coast on some boards. And to Mm -hmm. me, I think people would be surprised to hear that because there are some people that view Vera Tucker as a more higher upside, better player 
than Panay Sewell. And I don't think anyone would have thought that going into the season. Do, do those people view Vera Tucker as a guard or as a tackle? They think as a tackle, but they think that he has the insurance policy of being able to be a Pro Bowl caliber guard. Because yeah, we're I looking think, at him as the best guard, guard, right? Yeah, I think he'll be. Yeah. I think he'll end up being a, a Pro Bowl caliber, uh, mm-hmm. All Pro caliber guard is what he'll end up being. But I mean, I remember um, when I put it out. Gosh, maybe November. I don't know when it was. Some, somewhere around November, December, when I just kind of of the offensive lineman I had watched, and I had said. Rashawn Slater was my top offensive lineman and just not having Panay Sewell in that top spot. I mean, the people lost their minds on that. Like they could not understand it. And I'm like, I like Panay Sewell. I I do. I think both those guys are, where are they on my list here? I've got uh, Slater is my ninth player. Sewell is my 12th player, but I wouldn't hate it. Look, if, if the Bengals took Sewell with the fifth pick, He's a he's a good player. I, mm-hmm. I wouldn't. I, I understand that it's a little bit higher than I have him, but I get it. I, I wouldn't hate it. I just don't think. I don't know where you are, Buck, but when I stack up, and you can go if you want to go, uh, you know, for the generation for the. I just don't believe he's a generational player. Like people have talked about him, like he's a generational player. And I've, mm-hmm. I've been around Jonathan Ogden. I've been around Joe Thomas. I've been around Jason Peters. He's not in that class for me. Not not yeah not personally. Uh, but when I when I look at last year's class. I would take Mackay Becton over him. I would take Werfs mm. over him. I'd take Wills over him. I think mm. all three of those guys are better players. Go look at, again, go look mm-hmm. at all the arm length, all the explosive numbers, the jumps, everything. Those guys are all more impressive than Panay Sewell and that stuff. So to me, when I hear generational yeah. player, I'm thinking I haven't seen anything like this dude. And I I go back to last year, he'd be the fourth tackle for me. Uh, I'm where, actually, Bucky, where, do, where do offensive line coaches – stand on Panay Sewell from the aspect of still being like a real like moldable ball of clay as a guy who's 20 years old he's really played you know like one real full season right mm-hmm. as as a starter so like is there is that sense does that get them excited or does that make them like nervous I mean I think they're all a different because I think you yeah. have a, a faction of folks out there that love the teaching and developmental process of being able to take someone and and help elevate their game by giving them some tools or straighten out some little things um, that allow them to be more consistent, particularly against elite competition. Um, I, in, with Panay, I, I think he certainly offers a lot. And in the run game, he can mash, he can move people, he can play in either his own or power-based scheme and do those things. I think DJ's point, though, is important to remember. And I think sometimes we tend to forget it. Like when DJ talks about generational talent, talents um, and comparing guys in this year's class to those that helps having a point of reference, having either evaluated or been on a team where you've seen a hall of fame caliber player, because you always compare that person to that. So DJ will talk about uh, Jonathan Ogden. For me, I was in Seattle when Walter Jones was there. And so it's hard for me to give out those big grades because I saw Walter Jones and Steve Hutchinson completely <laughs> make a wall on the left side of the ball. And it was impenetrable. They dominated. We ran the ball left. Everyone knew the ball was going left and it didn't matter. And so like that is the standard that we still have to use for the top five. And so, yeah, like Penny Sewell wouldn't rank as the top guy in last year's class. He is a very, very good player, and I have him ranked as the top offensive tackle. But that grading process and historical grades, it certainly should matter when it comes to giving out that grade and talking about him when you have an opportunity to move off of him 
in favor of, let's say, like Cal Pitts, who you guys are saying is a generational talent. <laughs> the value would be Cal Pitts over him because you're talking about someone who we're saying is a gold yeah. jacket guy. Like that should be the standard when we're talking about those guys in the top five. And then the last thing I'll say on Sewell is like, if not the Bengals, then where? Like you're looking maybe 10 to the Cowboys. You're looking I outside think, the top 10 at that point. Yeah, I think so. I think I think he gets on the grease pole a little bit and he gets down yeah. into that conversation. The Cowboys, the Giants, the Chargers. He's somewhere in, a, in that 10 yeah. to 15. I mean, I, I mentioned, look, I have him as a 12th player, but if I'm the Chargers picking at 13 mm-hmm. and he's, you know, gets to – 10 9 10 I think you know if and I'm a Slater I'm a Slater guy but Slater could very well end up playing inside the Chargers have that that hole at left tackle I I would probably still lean towards Slater but I wouldn't hate it at all if the Chargers were sitting at 13 and traded up to 9 or 10 and took Panay Sewell let him protect his old buddy there and Justin Herbert I think that's a I think that's a smart move man I I think it's I think it's a really smart move if he's there and I think Mm -hmm. if if you're the Chargers you obviously know um, doing a lot of work and contributing there it is all about, for me, protecting the king. We'll take a, a, a chess reference. The first thing that you learn in chess is it's all about protecting the king. And so if Justin Herbert is what we say is, and he's shown to be an, an elite level player, I'm going to make sure that he is protected so he can do what he does from the pocket mm-hmm. and as a playmaker. And so if Panay Sewell is there, I, mean, I think you run the card up. Yeah. No, I, I wouldn't think he would get by them by any stretch. I, I'd be curious to see if they would try and go up and get him if he did start to drift a little bit. Um, that's an interesting. Uh, it's interesting conversation. There's a lot of these kind of like inflection points in the draft um, yeah. as we look at it. Anything else, uh, Buck, from the uh, from the pro day circuit that uh, that stood out to you? I, I thought one thing. You mean I'll other than this. Jamar Johnson of Indiana? Oh yeah, well, we're, yeah. We're gonna spend. We're gonna devote a whole show to that next week. Okay. Uh, the uh, <laughs> Did you see the Rashad Bateman? Uh, the di- yeah. he was listed at two ten. DJ, Which he said was wrong. He's a he's 190 pounds. Like DJ, he's it a was, really good player. But that's like I was yeah. like, whoa. Well, the, it, it frustrated me, right? Because and here's the thing: when you don't get a chance to go on the road, and no one can get on the road, we couldn't go to real games and see him. And so when someone is listed in the media guide as six two two ten, and then you watch him play, the comparisons that I I was making based on his game <laughs> Same was like, hey, AJ Brown, Michael Thomas, this. Well, yeah. then when he shows up at 190 pounds and he runs like that. When now the comparisons go from those beasts physically to now, mm-hmm. Oh, we're talking about like, uh, I think next gen stats was Kenny Stills and Justin yeah. Jefferson and those things. That's a huge difference in terms of as we're building the basketball team style of play. Yeah. Like we, we now went from fat lever, the post up shooting guard <laughs> to now do that. They're floating around like Alex English. Like it's a completely different yeah. deal. And yeah. I know the young people won't know. One. They can be like, who who's fat lever? <laughs> like, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> like, like, but but that's what we did. Like we completely changed stylistically how we're building our, our basketball team on the perimeter just from those differences. That's the year, though. That's the year that, that we're in. And that's why, like when people say, um, I don't understand how you can have movement. The, the season ended. Like a couple things. I, I always laugh at that. Uh, a couple things. First of all, when this when the season ends, like college football, they play the national championship games. To make another dated reference, we don't go Gidget and like blink, <laughs> and all of a sudden we've evaluated four hundred players. Like you, you know, we're no. not done. Like that, we're still time. 
getting through them. And then we go through and we put the base layer of paint on the wall. And then we got to go through and go back and do a little bit more. We do the neighborhood, you know, get them in the neighborhood, then yeah. in the right house. I like the church one, get them in the church. We got to get them in the right pew, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's, it's a long process. And it's a especially difficult when you don't have any measurements, which we are now starting to get. Okay. So I know, DJ, sometimes you, you have to mute my stuff on Twitter because I tend to get in these um, <laughs> dust ups with people. Yeah. Um, commonly, so I, I got, I got in a dust up, uh, Friday with, uh, a recruiting analyst who oh, took boy. a shot about mock drafts. And I wrote a thing about Mac Jones, not being a first oh, I round talent. This. I didn't see this. So I, I, I wrote this thing about Mac Jones. I compared him to the Avengers. I said, he's Iron Man. Meaning that when I look at this quarterback class, I feel like all these other guys have superpowers, right? Mm-hmm. Justin Fields, Trey Lance, Zach Wilson, Trevor Lawrence, they all have these magical powers, either athleticism, arm talent, and those guys to make it happen. Mac Jones is Iron Man to me because all of his powers are the suit. You take the suit off, he doesn't have any superpowers. And so the suit, to me, has been the supporting cast of Alabama, whatever. And so I say, look, he's not a first-round first talent. I wouldn't grade him as a first-round talent. If we were working for a team, I couldn't give him a seven or a higher grade. So someone was like, oh, duh, 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 your mock draft, you had him at 32. So you thought, I said, okay, for one, <laughs> no, never, never, never judge my opinion on a mock draft. And I, I hated to like pull it behind the curtain. I said, look, man, mock drafts are for entertainment. I'm going to be honest with you. Like they, they generate clicks and interest and all those other things. We can talk about scenarios, but if you want to know how I really feel, either read a report or look at how I ranked them top <laughs> top fives or whatever. Yeah. That's how I feel. And so I happened to do something that was very immature. Oh no! I went I oh, went down no. that I went down that person's timeline. No, I, oh. oh, I happened to catch a thing where he had tweeted in October that Mac Jones, in his mind, was a third round pick. And so I was like, I didn't think he was a first rounder, and you didn't either. Yeah. And so then he was like, Oh boy, oh boy. So, but like, I mean, come on. Like, it, it was funny. It was Friday. I was feeling frisky. I was like, well, Let's yeah. have this conversation. Then. So, I feel like I've told you, I feel like I've coached you through this. See, look, man, this is what happened because I'm a recent cur- convert to coffee, right? So now I started drinking coffee. So I get oh, the no. caffeine in me. I get so, <laughs> but anyway, the bigger point of the conversation, just so people understand, like when you talk about the variances and how people move up and down the board. Typically, when we talk about making adjustments, we're making tweaks. We don't make wholesale changes from, oh, this guy's a fourth rounder. Now I'm going to give him a first round grade. It is, look, here's the grade, but now let's get the order right as it relates to the rest of the people. Guys don't move up and down the board like that during this time of year. We'll do some of this stuff for TV purposes, right, where we have these things. But in real life, we don't change our grade dramatically based on some of the information that we get. And so it's just understanding the scouting process. And you're right. There are 400 guys to grade. We won't have everybody done at certain checkpoints of the year, but we certainly have them done by draft day. And I think it's just important to understand that. So that was a long story to get to that point. That was good, man. (laughs) Rhett, Rhett, you're going to have to step in here. I've tried to be Bucky's Twitter life coach and I've failed. I've failed. failed. Definitely failed. Um, it's fun sometimes. It's it's fun to, to go See, back and I, forth. I've been I've been finding myself jumping into the fray a little <laughs> bit on on those who are the poo pooing our mock draft cover. Not our mock draft. Our pro day coverage. 
Okay. Um, like, oh, I, said that, don't I said that on the I said that on the air, so I can't yeah. I can't say anything on that. I I, I called that out on the air. What would you call out? What what happened? Well, if the people are like, well, if you know, and what do we say, right? If if pro days didn't matter, nobody would go. Yeah, that is that is true. <laughs> no one yeah. will show up. These are the dumbest Simple things that, in the man. world. I'm like, they might be the dumbest things in the world, but the smartest coach in the history of football just flew two thousand miles right? to be at this thing. So I'm going to go take his opinion over yours. I'm sorry, <laughs> it does actually matter a little bit. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing was people like people get uh, in their feelings and all sad about the fact that that Rhett and I were getting excited about you know some of these throwing displays. Oh, and, and, and so, I, I, I saw some particular. I saw some particular somebody's make so, reference to uh, those things. They might have even posted a video to kind of sub. Hold on, you. your boy, your boy Colin, by the way, um, over at Fox was talking a lot about how he's. I, he's like, I, I can't remember a pro day. I, like, I don't remember Andrew Luck's pro day. I, you don't. Like, you it don't was remember. one of the most impressive everything pro about days it. of yeah. all time. In the rain, driving rain in the wind, the last yeah. throw of the day, he turned around to throw into the wind. Yeah, it was yeah. very yeah. impressive. I was there. It was very impressive. Right. Yeah. So I just I mentioned that. But anyway. That's funny. But so no, but the whole point. Know, Buck, all right? My whole point, Take care Buck, of my whole point was this. Like, let's not live life as such a cynical um, you know, mm-hmm. just in a dour state. Like, let's yeah. just if you are you the same person that sits there and goes, this is the worst dunk contest. This guy can't play. He's not, a, he can't, he's a terrible defender. I mean, I don't, who cares? Who cares if he just put the ball? His efficiency rate. His yeah. efficiency yeah. rate is not. I, I, I roll emoji. I don't care, but this is so dumb. I'm like, dude, have a, just have a, a, a Coke and a smile. Put your feet up on the desk. Enjoy the dunk contest. That's all we're, that's all this is. We're not saying this guy's moving up the draft board or moving down. Oh, but a guy that throws the ball like Kyle, like uh, Zach Wilson was, it's just fun to watch. It'd be fun to watch Steph Curry go shoot threes and warm ups. Fun to watch. It's just take it for what it is. That, you know, we don't have to be so cynical and so, or, you know, we have to hate everything. Mark McGuire and BP. Like, smile, yeah. smile, laugh, enjoy life a little bit. It, I'm telling you, it's a way better way to live. It, it, is, it is. It is a way better um, way to approach it. Let's be positive. We don't have to be so yeah. negative. No negative negativeness. Everything's not so serious. Okay, there's nobody, no no life or death issues here. We're just watching a guy roll left and throw right. It's fun. So <laughs> we're allowed to do that. Um, all right. Anything else you guys want to add before we jump out of here? You no, know, I, I think that that, that was a spirited oh. convo. But look, let's 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 button it back up because we started with basketball. So let's finish with basketball. Let's talk a little bit about Jalen Suggs, Suggs. Yeah. hitting the shot. Um, not only about him hitting the shot, but the fact that he was a very decorated and accomplished multi-sport athlete. I mean, this is a guy who was, I think, the state player of the year in football and basketball in Minnesota, a four-star recruit as a football player and a five-star in basketball. Like, what what do we think about the multi-sport thing, and how does it relate to like? what we're going to be talking about over the next it's month big. getting ready for the draft, particularly with some of these quarterbacks. My, my first thought was, you know, they do the 360 series, which is we're going to have uh, episodes coming up here shortly. We're at, this year we're doing mm-hmm. what? Lawrence, Fields, Wilson. But when we do that, we go back and we talk to all these these coaches. You know, we did it with, you know, Herbert last year. You talked to his basketball coach. We've done yep. it this year with these guys. Um, and we've learned a lot about just, you know, majority of these guys have all played multiple sports. And we see it with Suggs being this phenomenal basketball player at Gonzaga. And he was a you know big time, big time quarterback recruit offered by everybody in the country. But, you know, what got me thinking and wasn't it? it I think it was Haskins, right? Where I remember 707. Said, he's the best 707. 
yeah. index quarterback because he was yes. just playing football year round. And I thought, you know what? That's that is interesting, man. Like it's to me the 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 kind of the uh, what do we call that specialization that we're kind of yeah. into yes. now. It's not yes. good. I mean, this is a great Suggs is another example of that. Like he's he's done okay. It didn't hurt his basketball career that he was playing football. And, and Bucky, didn't uh didn't your in your interview with John Beck, didn't John talk about how uh Justin Fields uh how he they benefited from his baseball background a little bit? Absolutely. So so here's the thing. Not only that, I, I think the conversations and getting ready to put together the 360, which you guys have to check out. Um, not only Justin Fields, but Zach Wilson. So Justin Fields' background is in baseball. And, uh, man, look, I think he played in the middle of the infield or maybe Mm -hmm. there. And we talked about – I think we talked to David Cutcliffe where David Cutcliffe talked about he wanted quarterbacks in middle – he called it middle fielder hands, meaning when you play shortstop and second base, you always have to be able to make these transactions in terms of turning to and scooping and flipping and all this other stuff. So it allows you to do a bunch of different things without looking at the ball hitting your hands. And then Zach Wilson being an accomplished basketball player – We've talked to Clay Hilton and others about, I mean, Pete Carroll has always talked about basketball and vision and being able to see it and being able to process and do all those things. And so I don't think it is a coincidence that when we look at the top quarterbacks um, in the National Football League, that they have other sports as part of their background. Pat Mahomes, Russell Wilson being baseball players, some of the other guys being big time players in other sports. I think it matters. And I would like a quarterback that has done more than just play 707 quarterback his entire upbringing. Well, I, I think it's, I think it's important, man. I think it is good. And, um, you know, Wilson was a really good basketball player. So we talked to his uh, basketball coach for this upcoming 360. Right. You guys will enjoy that. Uh, ironically, I think Lawrence, I think Trevor only played football. I think he played some yeah. soccer background. Some, going he did. Up he did. He yeah. did yeah. Yeah. But when, when we talked to his parents, his parents talked about how he did other things growing up and he was great at it. So, yeah. I mean, I, I think that's the thing. Um, being able to be exposed to so many different things, not only different techniques and um, how it, cha- it it impacts different parts of your body and you develop different levels of athleticism, but different coaching, um, just expanding your horizons beyond just football. I think I think it matters. By the way, last thing, because we uh, we've gone full circle. We've gone a little bit long, longer than we were planning on. But um, what, I go to, the, to my uh, first Padre game in over a year. Uh, so it was last Friday. Last Friday night, you go to the game. So I've got a buddy in the personnel department. So I was texting him and uh, just, hey, you know, excited to be back in the ball yard. Um, so he comes and grabs me in the seventh inning and takes me up to the general manager's booth up there with A.J. Preller. And so I sat up there with A.J. Preller for about an inning and a half. And we he, he's a big New York Giants fan. So we were talking about the draft. And then we started talking about quarterbacks. And we're talking about Tatis and his athleticism and what you look for middle infielders based off wow. kind of what Bucky was just talking about, how we're talking about how important the quick hands are. And he was, you know, I was learning, you know, I was kind of selfish. It's great. I'm a big Padre fan to be up there with him talking about their team. But one of the things he said for a shortstop was, even more important than your athleticism and your arm is your body control. And he was Mm -hmm. talking all about how guys almost can be too fast at shortstop because you want to be a little bit more under control, always on balance. And I thought, you know what, that's a good quarterback takeaway too from the, you know, we've heard the football guys use the baseball comparison. Here's the baseball guy. And I'm like, Oh, you know what? That is something about always being able to be kind of under control and control your body. I thought was interesting. Yeah, it is interesting. DJ, I think, I think this is funny, right? Because we are football scouts and we have friendships with those who are in other sports. But I think at the end of the day, 
I think scouts can be dropped in any arena and yeah. they can evaluate talent because I think there's a lot of cross referencing when it comes to, yeah. yeah, when it comes to look what you're looking for. And you talk about body control and athleticism, particularly in the middle infield and doing those things, uh, how it relates there. I'll talk about looking at DBs and how the first thing I do is I go to their background, their bio, and I'm looking for guys that have played baseball because of depth perception and being able to judge the ball and doing those things. Because I'll, I told you, I've always wanted safeties that have played baseball because I know not only from a range standpoint, but being able to judge the ball. I just find it interesting how everything is so intertwined, mm-hmm. even though we live in these different these different worlds when it comes to evaluating. All right. Well, this was a fun episode, Rhett. We appreciate yeah. you hopping back on, man. Yeah. It's great to be with you. See you guys we'll next have Monday. A, yeah, we'll be See back with the, with Path. Path every day, uh, six Eastern, I believe. Correct? Right? That's right. Six Eastern. That is correct. You can find it on uh, NFL Network. Rhett does a wonderful job hosting the show. Um, Bucky, myself, wow. whole whole host of characters. Mm-hmm. I try. And, I I I actually do like Rhett. He does a good job. Oh, uh, but, that's nice. Buck, Buck, last story, then we'll leave. But uh, just to brag on Rhett for a second. So we're at one of these pro days. Oh, it's the big pro day where the where the uh, trades happened. Yeah. So oh, yeah. He's got, yeah. he's got he's got Zach Wilson on one TV, right? The, the uh, Niners trade happens. So they trade up. So we're talking about the Niners trade. He's watching the monitor with Zach Wilson, you know, so kind of juggling yeah. those two things. I look, I got my computer open and I see the Eagles website tweet that they have just traded uh, with, with to go back from six to 12. So he's got one trade, Zach Wilson, and I'm on my laptop seeing another trade. So while he's talking, I turn my laptop, you know, you're all the way across the table because of social distancing. I like yeah. slide my laptop across the table so he can read it, that it's the verified Philadelphia Eagles account saying this trade. And son of a gun never stuttered or anything. And he just kind of he, he swallowed all that information. And then, boom, he announces that trade on the air. It was really impressive. Wow. I, I give uh, him a fun of Rhett, but how many, impressive. How many years in the business, Rhett? I need I mean, to we're up to like 15, 15 oh, okay, years 15, in the business 15, now. 15, 15, 15, <laughs> the big one five. Yeah, 15 years in the business. Okay, so let me take you guys behind the curtain. So I'm watching the pro day coverage of you guys on the screen. Yeah. Yeah. I have just about completed the notebook. And I am doing who is Zach Wilson is my header for the yeah. notebook. So I'm about four paragraphs in. I am just waiting for the conclusion of the pro day workout yeah. Yeah. to cap it off. That trade comes down. <laughs> <laughs> the, the trade comes down. I get a call from NFL media like, hey, New how direction. close are you to being finished? Like, we want to talk about the Niners. And I said, yeah, but I got all this stuff on Zach Wilson and he's this and he's that. And I got the pro day. Yeah. Nope. But the yeah. trade and the three. So, so I'm typing, listening to you guys, searching the terms of the deal. You guys are talking about the deal. DJ is talking about the Eagles vantage point or whatever. And I'm sitting here like, oh, man, here we go. So <laughs> and, like, like, it is the nuttiest Friday that I've been around because I'm like, that was crazy. Man, all yeah. of this work and I got to do it all over. So, yeah, oh, I get it. Gosh. I appreciate it. <laughs> nah, that's two professionals right there. <laughs> nice, nicely done. Yeah. Um, all right. Again, you can, you can catch us all on Path to the Draft, 6 p.m. Eastern on NFL Network. Uh, again, appreciate you guys subscribing uh, to the pod. And uh, we got you covered here. Lots of good stuff coming your way here as we march towards the NFL Draft. He's Bucky Brooks. He's Rhett Lewis. I'm Daniel Jeremiah. We'll catch you next time right here on Move the Sticks. 
Thanks for downloading Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. For more, go to nfl.com slash podcasts. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.